Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Most people enjoy social drink and runners are no exception. We get lots of questions around alcohol and running. So today we thought we'd talk about the health and performance effects of chronic consumption of alcohol, the management of alcohol around race day, and share with you some lifestyle tips, advice and alternatives to alcohol. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionist friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Club. Welcome back. I'm Karen and I'm here once again with Aileen. How are you today, Aileen? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. And as always, ready to chat away. Absolutely. So let's get started. So and as always, we're going to share something personal with you about our nutrition or running before we move on to discuss our topic for today, which is uh, focusing on managing alcohol alongside your run training. So it should be a really interesting conversation today. So Aileen, my question to you, linking into our focus for today, I was just wondering if your approach to alcohol has changed at all since becoming a runner and also a, a nutritional therapist. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, like most people, I've always enjoyed a drink and I still do. Um, but it used to be for me quite normal to open a bottle of wine most evenings, particularly after a long day at work. I used to do a lot of driving for my work and it was a bit of a, it felt like a stress release to come in and the first thing you do is open the fridge and get a bottle of wine out. Um, but as most people know, becoming a runner and a nutritionist happened around about the same time for me. And particularly from a, a running perspective, I soon realized it was really unpleasant to go for a run the day after even a couple of glasses of wine. Um, and so that was my motivation, I think, to not feel awful. Um, so that that sort of, you know, is, is my real reason, I suppose, for doing it. And then I, I learned a little bit more about nutrition and why it might not be a great idea to be uh, drinking so much. So I still love a G&T and a glass of red. Um, but I think my pattern has really changed now. I've got lots of several alcohol-free days a week. 
I can go two or three weeks without having a drink, which I never thought was possible, but it is. <laughs> and uh, and when I do choose to have alcohol, it's always away from my exercise and running plans. Um, and so I think I, my attitude now is I really savour and enjoy alcoholic drinks as a treat rather than using it as an everyday uh, sort of stress relief. Um, mm. but yeah, that's where I am now. What about you, Karen? Have you found that your drinking habits have changed over the years? Yes, definitely, Aileen. Um, a bit like you, for a long time, I would have a, a glass of wine most evenings. It was just a way of relaxing, especially when the children were younger. Um, but then it was really when I started doing the serious long distance uh, running that I decided and knew that it needed to change um, just so that I could support my running and run to my best ability. So now I tend to only have a drink on one evening a week. And like you, sometimes less. I'm not sure I've gone three weeks unless I've done dry January, to be honest, Ailey. But sometimes, you know, I'll maybe go beyond a week, maybe sometimes two weeks without a drink. And I'm okay with that. I don't I don't really mind that. I think I'd find it more difficult if I had to give up my coffee, to be honest. Um but um, it really depends what's happening if we're if we're going out or we've got friends coming round, which is just beginning to come back in again now. Then then I might have um, have a drink once a week and on the odd occasion more than that. And I don't know about you, but I've also found that as I've grown older, um, as well as maybe having a much cleaner diet over more recent years since our study, I'm unable to tolerate alcohol to the same extent as I used to. And, and I just find that the after effects of it lasts much longer. So um, so like you, Aileen, if I do have a drink, uh, it needs to be away from my training, most definitely, You know, especially if I'm training the next day, but even the day after. And I tend to um, only drink wine. I'm not a spirits fan at all, and I don't like beers and lagers and things like that. So it tends to be wine, and my preferences are really bold red wine. Although I have to say that on special occasions, if we're celebrating, I do enjoy a nicely chilled glass of champagne. But that doesn't happen very often. But I have to say I, I do enjoy that. So um, that sounds lovely. Nice yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every now and again. So, okay, so let's move on and find out a bit more about uh, about alcohol, um, as we said. And um, we're in the summer months now. And I have to say, often there's more socialising opportunities and holidays at this time of year when we do tr tend to drink more alcohol than normal. And that, again, could affect running performance. And it is potentially going to be more pronounced this year because people haven't been able to celebrate together and go on holiday. So that might be that people are considering having more alcohol than they normally would during the summer. So, so it's a, a, an interesting point. But today, what we'll talk about um are the health and performance effects of the chronic consumption of alcohol on an endurance runner. Then think about the management of alcohol around race day. And that is a question that we're quite often asked about. How do you manage alcohol around race day? And then sort of think about lifestyle tips and advice and alternatives to alcohol as well. So Aileen, thinking about um, that first aspect of it, what would you say are the long-term health concerns for that chronic overconsumption of alcohol? 
Well, uh, it seems that the long-term diseases that are caused by alcohol might take 10 to 20 years to, to develop. So it's not something that you'll be aware of necessarily straight away. But these illnesses include various cancers, stroke, um, heart disease, liver disease, and, and damage to the brain and nervous system. So all quite serious, far-reaching uh, diseases. Um, and there's a lot of research to, to back this up too. Um, however, there's also quite a lot of debate about, um, you know, how and why alcohol consumption impacts on the long on long term health, particularly in relationship to cancer development. Um, and it seems that uh, drinking alcohol increases the risk of getting cancers um, of the mouth and the throat and the voice box and the gullet, um, as well as the bowel, um, the liver and breast cancer in women and possibly also cancer of the pancreas. Um, so those are the, the particularly high risk uh, cancer areas. And it's said that no level of regular drinking can be considered as completely safe in relation to some cancers so um you know yeah. you know even a few glasses a week um is still gonna pose some kind of risk so I think it's something that we've all got to be aware of absolutely and it, it you know just by what you've said there the the potential effects of alcohol consumption are far reaching there's the cancers but there's also the strokes the heart disease and also the liver because clearly the liver has to detoxify it so the impact on it from that uh, chronic consumption and just thinking about chronic consumption Aileen what is regarded as chronic consumption uh, well, it's a really difficult question to answer. I mean, chronic usually means continuing or occurring again and again for a long time. Um, so I think, you know, that probably co covers a lot of people when it comes to alcohol, because most adults will drink alcohol on a regular basis, whether it's, you know, a small amount or a large amount, but regularly throughout our adult years. Um, and there is very clear evidence that heavy drinking, even on a small number of days per week, increases risk to health. Um, and it's recommended that people who drink as much as 14 units a week uh, should regularly spread their drinking over three or, or four more days in during the week to make it less of a, a risk. So, um, you know, only drinking once a week and drinking a lot is not very good. Um, so we've got to take that into account as well. And thinking about units, this is, again, a, a sort of a tricky one for people to get their heads around. But a unit is quite a small amount of alcohol. And the number of units you drink depends on the size of your glass and the strength of your alcohol, um, which um, I don't think a lot of people necessarily take into account. So, for example, uh, a 250 ml glass um, of wine of, of an 11 percent alcohol rating would equate to 2.8 units while a 250ml glass of 14% alcohol would equate to 3.5 units. And really, a 250ml glass is sort of a, I wouldn't even describe it as a large glass. It, it, you know, it's kind of glass that you would have, you know, at home. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, so when people are thinking about units, sometimes they're thinking about the number of drinks, and that's actually not the number of drinks. It's You've got to sort of know your units mm. um, and obviously 14 units if you were having the 11 percent 
uh, alcohol, that would equate to five glasses at 250 mils across the week. But if you were going for the 11% of so the lighter alcohol content, um, so that would be the lighter, sorry. So the 11% is the lighter one. The 14% would, would work out at four glasses. So I think when you're out there buying wine, I know it's something I do. Um, I haven't really thought about it in relation to my health, but more about, you know, if it's lighter, it's more, I tolerate it better. So check the labels, I think would be good. Yeah. I have to say, Elaine, it's not something I do. I just know the wines I like and I buy them. I don't really check what percent of alcohol is in it. But I think what from what you've said, it, it does really pay to check the labels, but also to really know your glass me- measurements. So food for thought for all of us there, I think. Yeah, well, I like to, you know, whenever I do these um episodes Karen I always like to just double check myself and I actually got a wine glass out and measured out because the 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 guidance starts with 125 milliliters I was thinking that doesn't sound like a lot of wine and actually it gave me half a glass of what I would normally have as a glass of wine um Mm. so you do need to you know know these things I think it's yes know your measurements absolutely so Aileen what would you say is defined as moderate drinking in in the western world um, well, I found two pieces of information um, to share today. So a moderate in- intake is, de- is defined as one drink a day for women and up to two drinks a day for men, according to the Mayo Clinic, which is a, an establishment in the, in the US. And they classify one drink as either a 12-ounce beer or a 5-ounce glass of wine or a one-and-a-half-ounce serving of uh, distilled spirits. Whereas here in the UK, as I said earlier, our guidance is really about not drinking more than 14 units in a week. Uh, And there's a really good um, piece of government advice, which was published in um, 2016, and it's the Chief Medical Officer's Guideline. And the guidelines are the same for men and women, which is, again, an interesting approach from the UK, um, that they're, they're giving the same advice for both men and women given that we've got different physiological differences. It was surprising that they did that. Um, but what, what they're saying is that to keep health risk from alcohol at a low level, it's safest not to drink more than 14 units a week on a regular basis. So they're really saying drink less. Um, and if you drink as much as 14 units a week, it's best to spread your drink evenly over three days or more. So not to have it in one go. Um, to spread it over a number of days. And they're also saying that if you have one or two heavy drinking episodes a week, that that's going to increase your risk of death from either a long-term illness or from accidents and injuries. So the people that, you know, hit the pub or have drink a bottle of wine in one night, you know, they're they're going to be the people that have got these higher uh, risks of death. Um, and also that you're going to have a risk of developing the, the health issues that we, we spoke about earlier. And that's going to increase the more you drink on a regular basis. And they suggest that a good way to cut down is to have these several drink free days every week. And um, that's a really big health message. Um, and I think you might find that GPs, you know, try and give you that message as well. You know, sometimes, sometimes I've noticed when I go to my, uh, general practitioner they they do surveys every now and again and they're asking you what are your habits and that's one of the things they're 
promoting is that you have some drink-free days each week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something we promote as well with clients, isn't it? If they are drinking sort of every day, it's just sort of on that on that sort of trajectory of change, it's sort of reducing the, the amount of days that they're that they're having alcohol. And Aileen, you were speaking there about uh, about the heavy drinking, um, which I suppose could be classed as binge drinking. And how would you define how would you define binge drinking? Well, again, this is an interesting one because I think most people would think of binge drinking as somebody. Um, drinking a lot and falling down and you know that would be you know to most people we don't drink like that but actually binge drinking refers to drinking a lot of alcohol in a short space of time or drinking to get drunk so there's this sort of two angles to that mm-hmm. um, but in the UK according to the UK NHS binge drinking would be considered as a single episode of drinking up to eight units of alcohol in a session for men or six and units of alcohol for women in a single session. So that's not actually a lot of alcohol. No. So it, it really um, equates to um, six units would be um, two pints of 5% strength beer or two of those large 250 mil glasses that I mentioned of 12% wine. So to me, that doesn't seem like an awful lot, especially if, you know, if you're like you and me that go all week without having a drink and then maybe on a Saturday night you have one or two glasses oh I think I'm a binge drinker really listening to this yeah it's, it's hard to get your head around isn't it really um oh, sure. but it um you know obviously that this this um guidance has been put together on the back of 40 different studies so um I only assume that it's <laughs> very heavily evidence-based yeah so interesting um that it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, a lot of alcohol to be considered to be binge drinking. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So what, again, um, the, the advice is to reduce the short-term health risk from this single occasion drinking episode or binge drinking is to um, limit the amount of alcohol you drink on any single occasion, uh, drink your alcohol more slowly, and uh, have your alcohol with food and remember to um, have water alongside it. So, um, you know, you'd, you'd be better off having two smaller glasses of wine over two nights than two large glasses of wine in one night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And I think on the flip side of all of this, Aileen, there is conversation and also research about whether there are benefits to consuming a small amount of alcohol. And and there is research around the Mediterranean diet, which probably people will have heard and we've spoken about and how a glass of red wine comes into that. And the Mediterranean diet indicates low to moderate consumption of wine, mainly the red wine during meals could be beneficial to health. Um, And that low to moderate ranging from as little as 50 mils, which sounds really, really low, um, to 150 mils, up to 300 mils per day. And that really depends on what study you read. So there's a a lot of debate around that. And the key being um, to be following the Mediterranean food plan and drinking with your meals, but not outside of mealtimes. And this is because it's thought that the polyphenol content of the wine 
is protective and it's a protective um, nutritional element. So that is the positives to having a glass of wine, but having it alongside your meal and not outside of that. So, Aileen, what what would you say are the health benefits of chronic consumption and how do they um, how do they affect a runner? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there's not so many benefits, really, but there are, there are quite a lot of effects of chronic consumption to think about when you're a runner. Um, I mean, the obvious ones are um, dehydration. So, you know, we all know that alcohol is a diuretic and, you know, whenever you uh, drink alcohol, it's going to lead to dehydration. And if anybody's ever suffered from a hangover, they'll know this. Mm-hmm. Um but there are a few studies that have shown that alcohol um, may also decrease the uptake of glucose and amino acids by the skeletal muscles. And that obviously is going to adversely affect the body's energy supply. And it will also impair metabolic processes during energy. Um, so, you know, we've got to think about dehydration. We've also got to think how it's going to affect our metabolism. Um The other sort of uh, thing that you might not have thought about is that, you know, when you drink alcohol, it can often lead to disturbed sleep and disturbed sleep is going to have an impact on our running performance. Um, So, again, you know, leading back to the fact that it's a diuretic, it might make you want to go to the toilet more during the night and that's going to disturb your sleep pattern. Um, Alcohol can also dysregulate your blood sugar balance overnight. Um, and you might you just might not just get enough rest and that all of those things together are going to impact on your energy levels the next day and the quality of your training um and that you know those two things can happen the dehydration and the disturbed sleep you know that can be on the back of one or two glasses of alcohol if you've had more than that and it leads you into having a hangover and again you know if you're not used to drinking alcohol even a small amount can give you that hangover feeling um the main worry here from a running point of view is that you know when you wake up the next day with a hangover it's going to slow down your reactions and so you might be at more risk of injury um and it really goes without saying that hangovers and running do not mix um and you should avoid it at all cost and you know, make change your plans. You know, if you wake up in the morning and you don't feel right, then you've got to really change your plans. Um, so potentially, you know, you might be dehydrated before you go for the run. So that's not a good place to be in. Uh, and as I said earlier, you know, your reactions are going to be slower. Your brain might not be functioning as quickly as normal. You could have a slower reaction time. That might mean your coordination's not optimal. You might not notice hazards you know so you might trip or fall technique might not be as good as it could be and all of that could lead to the risk of an injury uh, which links back to that um, comment that we made earlier about people are at more risk of having uh, injuries and accidents um, you know following having alcohol Mm, absolutely so food for thought there for the the runner it doesn't appear that there's so much it's like you say Aileen the benefits aren't really there it's more um potentially detrimental effects to performance from drinking alcohol that's right and I I was wondering Karen if you knew anything about the the sort of more longer term damage um, of chronic alcohol to the consumption I've sort of focused on 
the the morning after, but what about the more longer term damage? Yeah, well, interestingly, the American College of Sports Medicine is really clear on its view on alcohol and its effects on performance. And the guidelines, their guidelines state the following, and I'm going to read what they say um, word for word. Acute alcohol ingestion is not associated with improvement in exercise capacity and may decrease performance levels. Consumption of alcohol may perturb the body's temperature regulation mechanisms during exercises, particularly in a cold environment. So they don't advocate um, the alcohol for performance at all. Um, in some areas that I would really like to particularly uh, focus on here and I think could potentially be a concern are body composition changes. Um, and, and as we know, alcohol is mostly full of empty calories. Um, what I mean by that is not really adding any nutritional value to um, to our bodies, um, just giving us excess calories, which could then get stored as fat, particularly around the stomach area. And, um, and really, for most of us, most runners are aiming for lean body composition, so it may be detrimental to that. And also drinking alcohol may lead to blood sugar dysregulation, which will drive cravings and uh, lead to overeating, which again will impact on body composition. But also thinking about muscle building and muscle repair, we're always looking for lean um, muscle mass and uh, alcohol is known to impair that muscle protein synthesis. So again, detrimental to the runner and to building muscle. And also it has a negative impact on the uh, immune system. So alcohol is known to um, suppress the immune system, meaning that really we're at a higher risk of infection. And if um, if we were to sustain an injury, it could be that it's it's much slower to to heal and may not heal optimally. So um, so those are some of the more longer term implications of um, of of um, alcohol consumption. But Aileen, thinking about all of these factors, are there any female factors we should be considering? Yeah, but yeah, there are a few female factors. I mean, the obvious one that um, most women will be aware of is um, not drinking alcohol in, uh, before or during pregnancy. So, um, you know, I think that's sort of common knowledge. And uh, we all know that drinking in pregnancy can lead to long term harm to the baby. And the more you drink, the greater the risk. Um, the, the, the risk to the baby, it really are the development of something called fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And there's a range of uh, lifelong conditions that are related to the, that um, spectrum of disorders. So, um you know, it's, as I said, it, it's sort of big health message and common sense that if you're pregnant or you think you got, you want to become pregnant, you know, you're planning it, um, the safest approach is not to drink alcohol at all and keep the risk to your baby to an absolute minimum. Um, so I, I mentioned earlier also about um, the differences between men and women and um the document that I, I mentioned right at the, the beginning, the chief medical officer's um, statement, what they say is that um, if you're drinking within the low risk guidelines, so that's within 14 units a week 
the overall risks are broadly the same for men and women. Um, although the risks of immediate harm, such as death and accidents, tend to be greater for men, but the long-term harms from illnesses are greater for women. So for, for women, uh, we're more likely to develop these illnesses that we talked about earlier as a result of our alcohol consumption. And that, you know, when I read that, that led me to think, well, you know, what risks do women face? And I came across um, an organization called the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. And they had quite a lot of information um, about how women cons- um, consume alcohol. And um, they were saying that women you know, start to have alcohol-related problems sooner um, at lower drinking levels than men. Um, and they point out that, you know, on average, women let weigh less than men. And as alcohol resides predominantly in body water, that pound for pound, women have less water in their bodies than men. And that means that um, if a, a man and a woman both drank the same amount of alcohol, the blood um, alcohol concentration in a woman would tend to be higher and that would put her at greater risk for harm. Um, And this is why I was questioning why the UK government tell us the same advice for men and women. But, you know, they've obviously got their reasons for it. But that was what I was wondering um, about. Um, And also they they pointed out that, um, you know, women tend to have less lean muscle mass than men, and that makes them more susceptible to the effects of alcohol. And they were mentioning the the differences for for older women. And, you know, we know that there's an age-related decrease in lean body mass as we get older, and that resultant decrease in total body mass would mean that there was an increase of the distribution of alcohol in the body. Um, So it's something that we've got to consider as we get older. Um, And again, it's a bit like you were saying earlier, Karen, you know, you've noticed that you don't tolerate alcohol as well as you've got Mm -hmm. older. That might be the reason behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and also that um, we metabolize um, alcohol differently throughout our lives so um it's 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 particularly related to the liver enzymes and they become less efficient with age so compared with women if you compare them with younger adults and with older men we tend to have an increased sensitivity to alcohol um so i mean that's the sort of serious side of it i mean i think we're talking more about social drinking um but i think there are that you know, if you read the the literature, there are some real risks for older women who, um, you know, social drinking that can you know start to affect them in different ways as they get older. So I'll I'll put some links to that site on, and then it's it's in the show notes if anybody wants to read a little bit more about it. Yeah, that would be great, Aileen. And and I think you know it is interesting. I know we're speaking about social drinking, but I think it is important to to get the message out because it is thought that our age group and beyond drink the most these days. It's not so much the young, it's more the middle-aged and the elderly that are the that the, the drinkers. So I think it's really important like I say to to get the message out there just what the impact of it is over a period of time, and especially if we're drinking consistently on a daily basis. Um, 
So, and I think we've we've covered a lot here, Aileen. Um, you know, we've highlighted the health risks associated with chronic consumption over years. Then we've looked at the definitions of what binge drinking is and what moderate drinking is. And we then sort of looked at the impact of chronic al- alcohol consumption on a runner's performance linked to dehydration, disturbed sleep, and also that potential for risk of injury and the changes to body composition as well. So with that negative changes to body composition and impaired muscle protein synthesis and also um, impacting on the immune system. So we've touched on on an, an awful lot. And then sort of moved on to to look at the female factors, which, again, there are quite a lot of them and really um, important factors to consider regarding us as women and our alcohol consumption. So, Aileen, shall we now... um, sort of look, go on and look at the management of alcohol around race day. And, um, and and like I was said right back at the beginning, this is a question that we are quite often asked. So, so Aileen, thinking about that, how long would you say before a race should somebody stop drinking alcohol? Well, you know, again, there's no specific guidance. I, I think mainly because alcohol affects people in different ways. Um, but what I would say is just remember that you've probably put a lot of thought and effort into preparing for a race and being in your best health before a race is going to give you your best performance. So you really want to have good quality sleep, feel energized, have a robust immune system, have optimal hydration status and be fully alert. Um, so, you know, you, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to risk any of that. So I'm always like really trying to make sure I'm looking after myself before something that's really important to me. Um, So I'd say, you know, really drink moderately and ideally stop one to two weeks before an important race if you want optimal performance. I don't know if you've got anything to say about that Karen what your approach would be yeah no I would agree with that Aileen I think one to two weeks to to ensure that all the the, sort of the impact of alcohol consumption consumption is completely out of the system but I'm just thinking here that yes I we think that that is a great idea especially if you're looking for optimal performance and maybe a PB running faster whatever it may be but, you know, not all runners might want to, to choose that. So what would you say to the runners who, who don't want to stop drinking alcohol one to two weeks before a race? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, realistically, some people won't for whatever their own personal reasons are. You know, and I know people that fall into that category. But I would say if you choose not to stop alcohol in the run up to the race, then obviously drinking alcohol the evening before a race is not recommended for all the reasons that we said earlier. Um, but sometimes, you know, what is particularly, you know, some of the big races, you might be having a pre-race get-together with friends and that can lead to having an alcoholic drink and, you know, you fall into that without really realising. So if, if that does happen, you know, you, you really need to make sure you're adequately hydrated before bedtime and the next morning before you race. So, you know, if, if you do find that, yeah, you're, you're having, you know, some beer or some wine the night before, um, take adequate 
precautions to um, to do that. Um, and sort of moving on from that, Karen, I mean, thinking about the, you know, what happens at the end of a race. Um, you know, a lot of people want to have a celebratory drink uh, after a race. Do, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, I do, actually, Aileen. Um and also, I think this advice applies after a training run as well, especially for those who run in social groups and they tend to head to the pub after a group training session. And I know that that happens, um, well, hasn't been happening so much in, in recent months, but but historically it is something that happens. And, um, you know, drinking alcohol post-race or post-exercise could affect muscle glycogen recovery levels um because post exercise and um, the body will be looking to rapidly replace the glycogen that was being used up during the run and normally eating healthy carbohydrates would replenish that glycogen however if you go and drink alcohol at the expense of eating the the healthy carbs then muscle glycogen stores could fail to replenish which could mean that recovery is going to be impaired so that's a huge factor, and we know how important recovery is before the next training session. And also, if you remember earlier, Aileen, you were saying about alcohol being a diuretic, um, and therefore it should be limited immediately after exercise when rehydration, again, is really important for that recovery process. So you want to get the, the fluids in, as in the water fluids, um, before drinking any alcohol. And I would say that ideally it's best to wait for a couple of hours or more, if possible, after a race or training run before you start to indulge in alcohol. So best to rehydrate first, like I say, and ensure you have replenished all the lost body water and electrolytes. So it must, must uh, I must stress there that important if it's a really long run or you've been running in the heat that you replace your electrolytes as well before hitting the bar or opening a bottle of whatever it may be and um and also just be careful not to overdo it especially following a race when you tend to sort of run much faster and put in much more effort than a training run um and especially if you've cut down on alcohol during your training then you know we're speaking earlier about that tolerance and you could find that your tolerance to alcohol is lower than it was when you started your race training so just bear that in mind as well and if you're taking alcohol close to the finish line so shortly after finishing the dehydration that um that you're experiencing can make you feel the effect of alcohol more quickly as well. It's going to circulate around the body much more quickly because you you haven't got the, the water concentrations um, circulating. And also what I would stress is to eat some food um, first, ideally. So eat food and rehydrate. Um, but if you don't eat food before you you start to drink alcohol, then, then definitely consider having some food at the same time so that you're not drinking on an empty stomach so that would be my my take on on uh, or my tips for drinking alcohol after a after um a race or a training event like i say 
So Ailey, next we're going to talk about some tips to help manage alcohol intake. But before we do that, shall we just take a short advert break? Yeah, yeah, let's take a a minute here. So uh, this is the point of the um, episode that Karen and I take a minute to explain what we're doing outside of the podcast. Um, Most of you, if you've been regular listeners, you'll know all about our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. So I just wanted to remind you of that. So Karen and I are just like you, we're busy working women and we run for health, fitness, achievement and fun too. And uh, the odd glass of wine, I need to say, occasionally. But even as nutritional therapists, we've had our own personal running performance struggles. Uh, And we've resolved those over the years um, really by putting in place a foundational everyday healthy eating plan and fine tuning it with sports nutrition principles. And that's helped us maximise our running performance minimize injury and uh, and we share that with you know our listeners and our clients um, by turning our, our experience and expertise into our program which is called easy nutrition for healthy runners so it's uh, it's a recorded program and it's um, a video program so it's quite short and sweet you can complete it in 30 minutes a day over two weeks or you can spread that uh, time over a longer period if you want to. So it's entirely up to you uh, what pace you do the program at. Uh, And if you've been listening today and you think you'd like to know more about how to apply both everyday nutrition alongside sports nutrition, then we really feel this program is a really great place to start. We give you lots of um, short, specific information. And at the end of every video, we give you an easy action step to put in place so that by the time you finish the program, you've um, you've got your own um, sports nutrition plan uh, ready to go. So if you if you're interested in finding out more, look at our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Uh, check out the top menu bar. Look for online program. Click on there, and you'll find out everything you need to know about the program. If you've got any questions that haven't been answered on the page, uh, feel free to email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in the programme very soon. Excellent. Thank you for that, Aileen. Okay, so moving on, Karen, we said uh, we were going to talk about some lifestyle tips and advice and also alternatives to alcohol. So, Karen, I mean, what lifestyle tips would you share with us to help us manage our alcohol consumption? Yeah, well, thinking about alcohol itself, I would say, you know, really think about choosing your alcohol drinks carefully. So uh, sort of thinking about choosing a good quality, more naturally produced uh, wine or spirit, whatever your preference is. And I would say opt for dry wines, which have a relatively low sugar content. So they still do have sugar in them but it's a dry wine is going to have a lower percentage of sugar Um, avoid regularly drinking beer and cocktails and soft drink mixes and alcohol pops because they just have loads of sugar in them and that can result in the blood sugar fluctuations that we spoke about earlier that can then lead to energy dips cravings um, and then a lack of concentration all of which will be bad for for training, for race prep, and also for running performance overall. And then consider the alcohol content of your drink. So check the labels, start to read the labels if you haven't been in the past. And also when 
drinking your your alcoholic beverage, whatever your choice is, then maybe choosing smaller glasses so that your intake is um is is smaller and sipping it slowly so that it lasts longer would be another tip I think that I would add. And, <laughs> Yeah, it's all very good while you while you're sober, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. While well, I don't have an alcoholic drink in front of me, <laughs> first alcoholic drink, all the advice goes out the window. But we try to uh, we'll try our best. So another tip would be to only drink alcohol with food, um, as per the Mediterranean food plan, uh, and also to have a, a large glass of water alongside every alcoholic drink um, and one of my other tips is when you're socializing um, have a cutoff point during the evening so try and make that an intention before you go out you know what point in the evening do you stop drinking um, again that might be one that's difficult to put into practice every time but it certainly um, you know will help you be in a better balance for the next day Mm, absolutely it's just something to be mindful of and even if you don't manage to do that the first time if you're always mindful of that before you go out then hopefully eventually it will kick in and actually happen mm-hmm. and and like we were saying earlier Eileen there is also the evidence that having some alcohol-free days each week can help people who wish to sort of start drinking less so that's another approach to to sort of um alcohol consumption yeah, and it can be, you know, difficult to do that to begin with, but with a bit of practice, you get used to it. And particularly if you can enlist whoever you live with to do the same as you, then that, that can also help. And I, I think my other big uh, message for today is know your units, and even if it's just very roughly. Um, uh, again, we'll we'll put these in the notes so you can uh, check them out. But, you know, when you're thinking about wine, a small glass, uh, of 125 mils is one and a half units a medium glass of 175 mils is 2.1 units and then the, the sort of larger glass 250 mils is three units um, beer really varies on strength and I'm not a beer expert so I don't really know much about the strength of beers but the the example that I found was that a 330 mil bottle at a five percent strength would be 1.7 units and a can of 500 mils uh, is around two units and a pint is around two units. And again, it'll depend on the different strength that you, you choose. Uh, when you come to spirit, so um, typically a 35 mil shot would be two units. But remember, you are probably going to be adding a sugary soft mixer drink too. And although that's not going to change the alcohol content, it is going to add um you know, sugar to your diet. So maybe not such a great idea. Um, And then finally, again, something that I'm not particularly fond of is an alcopop, but I know a lot of people are. And again, the alcohol content and the sugar content varies, but a 275 mil average alcopop would be one and a half units. Um, Mm -hmm. So so that's the sort of an overview of of the unit's yeah, I think that's really um, great um, information and food for thought for everybody, I have to say, um, including myself, because from what you said, it's just such a small amount as a unit. So those 14 units that we should be well consuming maximum or less would soon build up, soon add up. So, um, so yeah, really worth thinking about. Now, we've been speaking, Aileen, about... Um, 
trying to reduce alcohol intake, having some alcohol-free days per week. I was just wondering, have you ever tried dry January or anything similar? Um, well, usually I don't feel I need to do dry January because I feel that, you know, mostly my alcohol consumption is fairly average, not a big issue for me. Um, but I did actually do it this year um, just because during lockdown, um, you know, and over the Christmas period, I was just sort of getting in a habit of having a little drink every day, you know, because you're doing Zoom calls with people and, you know, obviously life was not um, – didn't feel very sociable so we were just drinking a bit of uh, wine every day so I just thought you know what I need to I need to stop this and change the habit so I did do dry January and um, it was fine actually Um, and I think it is a good idea it does help people make a a step change um, and it helps them realize that they actually can live without alcohol it's quite a hardcore way to do it if you've never tried anything like that before so I think if it's, you know, if you feel as though it's going to be a big, really big, hard thing to do, then maybe just start with, you know, choosing an alcohol free day and increasing the number of days first might be a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, that's what I did back in January. Um, well done. Yes. Sign <laughs> out on that. Um, <laughs> So what about race prep, Karen, when when you are in race prep or your non-alcohol days when you're doing, um, you know, you're training throughout the year, what are your favourite um, drinks that, are, that don't have any alcohol in them? Yeah, well, what I tend to do around training, and um, and this has been happening recently, actually, because we're able to socialise a bit more, and I tend to do my long run at the weekend, and there's just no way I'm going to have alcohol the night before a really long run. So what I tend to do is to have kombucha when I'm not drinking alcohol, especially if either we're entertaining at home or we're at someone else's place. And what I will do is I'll I'll put it in a wine glass to trick myself really that I'm still in party party mode. Uh, But at the same time, I'm really sort of supporting my digestive system and immune system for my running because the kombucha is that fermented drink and it's got a few bubbles in it as well um they're subtle but they do have bubbles so um that really helps and the fact that I'm having it out of a out of a wine glass just makes me feel as though I'm still part of that party atmosphere um without actually taking on board any alcohol and that works really fine for me I'm really happy with that and it is something that I tend to uh, recommend to my clients as well when they're looking at reducing their alcohol intake and having those alcohol free days then I'll recommend that they do exactly that have some kombucha and put it in a in a wine glass instead so yeah yeah, well, my I, I like kombucha too, and um, I'll maybe have it with depending on on how strong it is. Sometimes it can be quite a strong blend. Um, so if I need to dilute it a little bit, I'll maybe put a splash of fruit juice like cranberry in and top it mm-hmm. with water. So that's quite um, quite nice to do. I, I, I agree. Putting it in a nice glass is. Um, just makes you feel that it's a special occasion um, but I also like um, a non-alcoholic botanical drink which is called Seedlip and there's various different varieties of that and it's a bit like gin so it, it 
has the smell and the taste, which is a bit like gin. Obviously, it doesn't have the alcoholic hit. Um, but to have that with some tonic water or some soda water um, is really nice. And I've noticed that a lot of bars and pubs stock it now. So if you are out for the evening and you're the designated driver or whatever, you don't have to feel as though, you know, you've been left out and you can only have sparkling water. Um, so mm. that's, that, those are my favourites. Mm. Mm. Excellent. And have you got, before we sort of round up, Aileen, have you got any final tips for everybody? Yeah, I think my final uh, tip would be say, would be to say, just don't feel peer pressure to drink alcohol or to drink more than you wish to just because you're in a group. Um, you know, I, I think that that does happen. You know, people will say, oh, they want you to drink so that they don't feel bad about what they're drinking. Um, so, you know, I think that that's something that if anybody wants to chat about either in our Facebook group or just to drop us a line, um, we can probably give you some point you in the right direction of some advice there. But just, um, you know, make your intention. I, I think that a lot of people respect you for particularly if you're if you're training for something and you say, well, actually, I can't I'm not drinking because it will affect my training. People tend to respect that. So use that as a one liner. Yeah, absolutely. And it opens up a conversation as well, doesn't it? Because people want to know more about what you're doing, etc. So um, so I think that's a really good, that's a really good one. And one other thing I just wanted to mention here is that there is a really great website called Drink Aware. And it's got lots of tools um, to really help review your alcohol intake. And they also have an app as well that you could download. And, and really, I would suggest using it even for just a, a week or two so that you can get some insights into your alcohol intake. And once you understand what your alcohol intake is, you can then sort of look at how you need and how much you need to adjust that to support health, but also to support your running and performance. So, Aileen, um, I think feel that we are all really much better informed about how to enjoy alcohol now without it impacting significantly on our health but also on our running performance so thanks very much for all that information I've really enjoyed the conversation but just before um, we go could you share your key your key takeaways from today's episode yeah, of course, Karen. So the, the key takeaways from today's episodes um, started with talking about the health risks associated with chronic alcohol consumption over a number of years. And, and we listed, you know, everything from various cancers through to damage of organs and the brain and the nervous system. Um, we also highlighted what binge drinking means. And uh, usually in uh, certainly in the UK, it refers to um, single episode drinking uh, where you drink um, what is deemed to be a lot of alcohol in a short space of time but we learned that a lot of alcohol only actually equates to six units of alcohol in a single session um, we've learned that the um, government advice is to drink um, 14 units or less on a weekly basis and that will help uh, keep health risk at a low level um, the suggestion is if you drink as much as 14 units, it's best to spread your drinking evenly over three days or more. Um, from a runner's point of view, uh, we talked about um, the impact of chronic 
um, alcohol consumption, which included dehydration, disturbed sleep, uh, the potential risk of in- injury, um, changes to body composition in a negative way, um, impairing muscle protein synthesis, and also the immune system being compromised. Um, we talked about some female factors as well, particularly um, reminding women that if you're planning a pregnancy and during pregnancy, uh, you, you shouldn't drink alcohol um, because you don't want to affect the baby. Uh, and particularly, um, you're aiming to prevent fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Um, women um, drinking within low risk guidelines um, overall the risk is broadly similar for men and women but it appears that there are risks for longer term harms from illness Um, they're greater for women so we're at a higher risk Um, Karen you kindly um, talked to us about um, race preparation and what to do after a race Um, so we're suggesting considering your race goal and stopping drinking alcohol one to two weeks ahead of your race and that's really going to help you optimize energy minimize risk of injury and being unwell so you get to the start line feeling fit and well Um, when it comes to celebrating after a race or after training the big message is rehydrate and replenish glycogen stores with healthy carbohydrates before drinking any alcohol. And we also shared, shared a few lifestyle tips, um, including choosing alcohol drinks, um, non-alcoholic drinks, sorry, choosing alcoholic drinks that have a low sugar content and choosing lower alcohol percentage drinks or so checking your labels, um, making sure that you control the measures of alcohol drinking water alongside alcoholic drinks and also choosing to have several alcoholic free days every week and doing all of those things will help you minimize the risk um, of alcohol consumption whilst enjoying it and uh, being able to socialize in a healthy way. Great. Thanks, Daly. And I think you've given us all some really important information to sort of go away and reflect on and digest and and act on. And I think we can all say cheers whilst um, drinking safely as we go forward in supporting our our health um, and also our performance. And just to finish, everyone, remember, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. 
They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Active Wear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.